welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers knock off the first place team in the Big Ten, the number 11 ranked Michigan State Spartans by a final score of 67 to 63. Another IU-Michigan State game goes down to the wire and the Hoosiers find a way to get it done. The win puts Indiana at 15 and 4 overall on the season, 5 and 3 in conference play, and it's Indiana's third straight victory over the Spartans, a hard-fought, tough battle that Indiana jumped out to and really controlled early. Michigan State was able to battle back and take a lead in the second half, but Indiana regained control late, made the plays that they needed to make down the stretch to get the win. And we're going to talk about it all on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I am your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Obviously, you could give this to Trace Jackson Davis for his block there at the end of the game, which, you know, getting switched on to Cassius Winston and being able to recover and make that block shot. But of course, Holding it helped. his own, right? He, he did. He did. You know, it helped that Xavier Tillman missed, you know, missed a little follow bunny. But for tonight's banner moment, I'm going back just a little bit earlier in that second half with two minutes and 30 seconds to go. The game was tied at 60 to 60. And I thought to myself, you know what? This game is going to be won or lost on the glass because you look at previous IU-Michigan State games, they're almost always won late with key rebounds. Who can get the tough rebounds late? And tonight, it was Indiana, and specifically, it was Joey Brunk, who right after that point had two huge rebounds for Indiana. First, he rebounded Cassius Winston's miss on a three in transition, and then coming down on the next possession, he tapped out Trace Jackson Davis's miss, which saved a possession for Indiana. That led to Al Durham's three-pointer, which put Indiana up 63-60 to and really gave Indiana the final control of the game kind of going down the stretch. And don't forget... A possession or two later, he grabbed Rob's uh, shot. You know, Rob drove down the left baseline, got a shot blocked. Joey grabbed that and scored. That put Indiana up 65 to 62. It was toughness. It was presence of mind. It was, you know, making plays as a rebounder in a game that demanded it. It is what Joey Brunk has been giving this Indiana team all season long. He led Indiana in scoring with 14 points. He led Indiana in rebounding with six rebounds, and he was there at the end to make the plays in winning time when Indiana needed them. Just yet another huge game for Joey Bronk, showing the leadership, showing the playmaking in the post that has made him such a valuable part of this Indiana roster. All right, our banner moment tonight, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad and that remains based in Indianapolis. And, you know, there are many, many reasons why you should go to homefieldapparel.com, why you should support them. And, you know, the number one reason, it's not about supporting them or their Indiana-based you know, based brand, any of that stuff. It's that their gear is just awesome. It's incredibly comfortable. I mean, whether you go with the crew neck sweater, the, the, the soft hoodie, the tri-blend hoodie, the t-shirts, the long sleeve tees, whatever you get, it's just going to make your body feel good wearing their material because it feels so good. And it maintains that comfort even after you wash it. And then the logos that are on the outside of it, I mean, they're just impeccable. You know, they have some of the greatest classic Indiana logos that you're going to find anywhere from the script Indiana to the Bison logo, so many other old football logos that they brought out during the season, a bunch of old basketball-inspired logos, the Christian Watford uh, designs that they have celebrating the watch shot. They have something for every IU fan at homefieldapparel.com. That's why you need to go there, shop for yourself, shop for friends and family members who are IU fans. And when you do that, use the promo code ASSEMBLY20. When you use that promo code at checkout, you will get 20% off your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your entire order 
Go to homefieldapparel.com today and get the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We will start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on this Indiana victory. Well, the uh, the droughts were still there at times, but I'm going to focus on this how this team played down the stretch. They really needed a spark. I think this was around the time that we, we were t- texting about race not being in the game and the spark that he provided in the first half that somebody needed to provide that in the second half. And I don't think it was too long after that that IU got out of a – another mini drought when Armand hit a three um, off of, you know, coming off of a screen and that started a, a string of the last 13 possessions of the game where I scored on 10 of those 13. Now, some of those were uh, splitting two free throws. So we can likely talk about that later and, and how maybe that could have been more. Um, but this team really with tough circumstances uh, executed well down the stretch. They had a couple really nice offensive sets, uh, there was one that they ran to trace and Armand set a nice screen on him to get him a layup. Uh, the, just the movement on on the possession where Al nailed that three at the end was was really good. And I thought they executed well uh, on an end of the floor where they have frequently gotten into uh, some pretty deep ruts. And, and those still happen tonight, but I felt like they weren't as long and they found ways to uh, to pull themselves out of those a little bit quicker than what we've seen in some of these other games. Uh, and it was actually looking back in the in the first half, there was another lull. Armand was the guy who broke him out of that with an and one uh, that he that he played there. So I just thought it was a, a game where a lot of guys uh, stepped up and made big plays. All ten guys that played scored, and uh, and really a good good team effort and uh, some some really shrewd coaching moves. One of which was IU the way they played ball screens, uh, much to Ryan's chagrin for the majority of the evening. Uh, they they changed coming out on that last possession. They they decided to switch everything and it really seemed to throw Michigan State off. It took Winston a second to you know, kind of recognize they had you know, drawn something up based on how IU had played that. Uh, took a second, tried to drive on Trace, who blocked it. Uh, they did get a clean look at the basket eventually, um, but I thought a really good move based on the way that IU has played ball screens really the entire season. I, I don't really remember many, if any, possessions where they switched on uh, on that kind of thing. So I thought that was a, a good move by Archie. Uh, down the stretch and and like I said, solid execution uh, in a tight game where they would uh, at least found their way to get to the free throw line. Didn't make as many as we would have wanted, um, but but did some good things where they were able to uh, you know score when they needed to, not not fall into these ruts. Uh, and, and hopefully that gives them some confidence with that in the future uh, when they get into those situations. And uh, it's become pretty clear who the who the six guys are that Archie's going to ride down the stretch at this point. I think we've seen that pretty consistently. Uh, in the close games that they've had lately, and it's been a, a good formula for them. So uh, I think we're learning a little bit about this team. I kind of have lamented that at various points over the season that feels like you're not learning a whole lot. The weeks go by and you don't know anything or feel more confident than you did the week before. So I think we're starting to figure out some of those things, which is a, a good place to be heading into a really difficult part of the schedule. Absolutely. All right, Ryan Phillips, not much to rant about when you beat Michigan State, but man, your boy Race Thompson was just breaking out there in the first half. And then, unfortunately, yeah. takes that hard fall. That was some of the best minutes we've seen from him since the Wisconsin game of last Easily. year. He was I really mean, good. That's, yeah, I mean, we've seen him at times this year just be really active on the offensive glass, not necessarily getting rebounds, but tipping them out or at least making himself a pest. And he that led to a steal at one point in, in this one. And 
and knocked the ball back that got, you know, led to a, uh, another bucket. And, and, uh, so yeah, I really hope the race is okay. Um, he took a really hard fall on his tailbone. So we'll, we'll see what comes out of that, but he didn't even warm up in the second half. It was that bad. And you could see him coming off the court and they were saying, are you, are you going to stay in, you know, to take the free throws? Cause he got fouled on that. And he said, no, you could see him mouthing. No, I'm out. And, and he just knows, you know, and that kind of injury can hurt your back and it can stiffen you up. So hopefully race is okay. Those are some great minutes and it was nice to see him be, I think he was the first guy off the bench and really be active like that. Uh, what I want to talk about is just toughness. We talked about this team not having, you know, necessarily the toughness that Archie Miller wants time in time again and, and wilting and, and going into those long droughts. We saw a long drought tonight again. Uh, I think it was about five minutes without a field goal. Armand Franklin, to his credit, stepped up, knocked down a wing three, and I think we're starting to realize that that's Armand's spot for three pointers. If he's gonna, if he's gonna take him, it's gonna be on that right wing. Uh, stepped into a shot and nailed it. Uh, this team has stretches where it doesn't play well and it just plays stupid, where guys play selfishly. Um, but tonight, what we saw was they also had stretches of incredible toughness where they just block down on defense. I mean, they only gave up 63 points to Michigan State, a team that loves to get up and down and run fast and has maybe the best point guard in the country in Cassius Winston. This team played tough, and there were times they could have wilted. There were a couple big threes that Michigan State hit that were momentum killers. Uh, I mean, you played a Michigan State team that knocked down nine threes, shot 42, you know, 43% from three-point range. Um, that, you know, there was, I think they had eight blocks when driving in, but Indiana didn't stop coming. Indiana didn't wilt when those things happened. And we've seen that happen to this team before where they just kind of get punched and they just kind of wilt. And and I, I really think, I know we've talked about this team maybe taking on the personality, trying to take on the personality of Archie or maybe at times taking on the personality of his seniors. Tonight, it took on the personality of Joey Bronk. I mean, that that's what it was. They battled. They were tough. They were fired up. They were focused when they came on the floor. That run at the beginning of the game is as good as Indiana's played this season, and I'm including the Florida State game. The Florida State game, they won as by as much as they did and the way they did because you had one player go off for 30 points. This was everybody contributing. This was everybody really grinding it out and chasing rebounds, diving on the floor. You had your five-star freshman star diving on the floor for a rebound at one or loose ball at one point. And, and he just had guys working hard. And even when it wasn't pretty, there was, there were hard cuts from guys like Armand Franklin and, and, and even Justin Smith at times was cutting harder than we usually saw. And I, I just think that this team found some extra toughness and I'm sure it was, you know, this was a game that was marked on the schedule. I'm sure they want to play big in a game like this. The, the problem for this team is going to be finding that energy when you're playing Northwestern and Minnesota and, and, and teams that, while you know, Minnesota has a good record, but it doesn't bring the mystique of a Michigan state and, and the challenge of a Michigan state, uh, you know, to your reputation. So the key for this team is finding this kind of energy and finding this kind of heart and toughness every game. And, and tonight they had it. And when this team is focused and it plays hard and you get guys playing in that Joey Brunk mold of just never giving up and battling for every single thing you get, this is the result. And, and I think that that's at the same time as it's encouraging, it's also a little disheartening because if they had had that energy in a few other games, maybe they win those games. And, and so I, I think that if you're an Indiana fan tonight, you've got to be so thrilled at how this team played and how much heart and toughness they showed. Now you want to carry it to the next game and the next game and the game after that and keep building on it because when this team plays the way it should play, it's a pretty darn good team who can battle a team like Michigan State and beat them.
Yeah, no, no question about it. And, you know, I, I want to talk about Trace Jackson Davis because, you know, he's a guy who really had a couple of rough games against Ohio State and Rutgers. And prior to that Nebraska game, you know, Archie Miller talked about how he, you know, had a conversation with Trace and, you know, talked to him about the challenges that he was going to face in Big Ten play and sticking with it. And you look at what he's done now over his last couple of games. He has 18 points and 13 rebounds against Nebraska. And tonight, you know, the numbers don't jump off the page, right? 12 points. He was only 5 of 12, so somewhat inefficient inside. Only the four rebounds. But I was really impressed with how much he stuck with it, battling a lot of times against one of the best defensive big men in the country in Xavier Tillman. And just his willingness to be a target and to get the ball down low and allow Indiana to play inside out. He had a couple of assists too. You know, and obviously that block at the end of the game, although I'm looking at the stat sheet and it doesn't credit him with a block. Not quite sure how, how they missed that one. They might be trying yeah, to say Osterman that was a was, pass. Yeah, there, there's some. I guess I saw somebody say that Trace in the post game said he blocked whatever it was that, that was okay. going yeah, up there. Yeah, it looked, it looked from it's, one angle like Winston was throwing the pass to, to uh, Tillman. Well, instead of it being a, a shot, but whatever, I think credit one of the block. best blocked passes in Indiana history, then that's fine. But, you know, for a freshman, you know, to kind of seem like he's hitting that freshman wall and fight through it. And, and Ryan, like you said, you know, diving on the floor. I mean, really making a lot of hustle plays, taking on that personality of Joey Bronk. I think these last two performances have been really impressive from Trace. You know, just the mindset that he has uh, and his ability to step up in a game like this with with some real men down low and play toe-to-toe with him and be a huge part of the reason why Indiana uh, won, Andy. Uh, I just thought, even though the numbers weren't the best he's had all season, I thought it was one of Trace's more impressive performances of the year. Well, it's one, I guess I'll go. I think you said both of our names, but uh, I'll, I'll just wait till, I'll just wait till Ryan interrupts right. me, and then it'll kind of serve the same purpose, so it'll be fine. Um, but I think yeah, I think you're right. He, he really didn't back down from the challenge of, of going against Tillman, and they eventually... Uh, you know, Tillman ended up with ended up with four fouls. One of those was the one on Jerome late, but they had to take him out at one point in the second half a little bit because he had gotten three fouls. I thought um, both Trace and Joey were aggressive in, in trying to go after him. That was one area where, you know, Michigan State will play other big guys alongside him, and those are the guys that you want to attack a little bit more, but they are a little bit thin there. Uh, and, and I think, you know, it was, it was clear that that was an emphasis, and I thought early in the game they did a really good job of getting the ball inside, getting it inside quickly and and forcing Michigan State to react. When the offense struggled, it was when they got away from those things for w- one reason or another. And uh, Yeah, but I, I did think he, he stepped up, played well, thought he played fairly well defensively. Uh, you know, the last possession stands out, uh, obviously, but I, I thought he continued to, to really play well on that end. Uh, struggled a little bit at the free throw line like a number of guys did, but um, – yeah, I think I think the the toughness that he continues to show as a freshman going up against some of these guys um, and really not backing down, trying to find ways. I thought he showed in some ways some better footwork uh, tonight, where he was a little bit. I agree with um, that for sure. Finished with his know, right hand once. Yeah, you know, I mean, typically he he's a guy who will make you know kind of one quick move or whatever. But he, uh, I don't know if he's been watching Joey Brunk film, but I thought there were times when he was. Um, you know, doing a lot, you know, having to make more moves to be able to get shots, but was willing to be patient enough to do that. Um, so you just continue to see really strong growth from him uh, at this point in the season and uh, another solid game from him, as you said. Yeah, I think that that with Trace, the one thing that Michigan State knows how to do is shut down a guy. I mean, Tom Izzo is, is a master game planner, knows how to take one guy out at least, sometimes two. And, and I thought that Despite that, he was clearly their focus. Every time he touched the ball, everybody on the defense was watching him. 
And you could just see it. Their heads were slightly turned. Keep an eye on him. The guy from that, they didn't always double, but the, the help would come. Sometimes there'd be a guy kind of floating in the area, not quite doubling, but maybe given the idea that he was going to double. And I, I thought the kid handled it really well. He moved the ball well out of the post uh, to handle as much as he did and not turn the ball over for a freshman was, was pretty incredible. Uh, one thing Indiana did tonight that they haven't done consistently, they were throwing the ball into the post pretty much all night. There were a couple stretches of a few minutes where, you know, like two minutes where maybe they didn't get it in, but there was definitely a focus and people were looking in there. There were a couple times where, you know, on an offensive set, they didn't get it inside, but, you'd see that they were trying to, you know, guys would come across and maybe they just weren't open enough. That's going to happen. And they even but dribbled and repositioned themselves to find a better angle. <laughs> and it was, it, it was, was amazing. Like, you know, everything that he's teaching them is, has, you know, is finally sinking in again. We got to see how they, they keep it up, but it was encouraging. And I thought Jackson Davis, look, you got Tillman on you. That's a fantastic defender and a fantastic Big Ten player, and and you're working against him. And to come away with those 12 points, you know, he hits a couple more free throws. We're looking at a, a 16 point effort and that big block at the end, and and some really good defense to affect shots, or especially early in the game. Um, so I, I I think that you can be critical of of the numbers, but really, if you watch that game. He was a, a a huge focal point of the offense, as was Joey Brunk all night. Both of those guys, and and I thought that Indiana against better teams has really struggled to get the ball into the post and get those guys involved, and that was not a problem tonight. And and even yeah. you know even when they came up short, I mean combined, Brunk and Jackson Davis missed twelve shots, but they still were such a huge part of the offense. And a lot of times, you know, you're, if you miss a shot. You probably you might be getting bumped or whatever, and they just didn't call a foul. I mean, they were working to get calls and to get points, and and that's something that hasn't happened in some of the bigger games for you. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> look, it, I think we've pretty much know that it's rarely going to be pretty for this team. Like, actually, this was a pretty win for the way Indiana wants to play. You out rebound Michigan State. You get the ball inside on most of your possessions. You only turn it over eight times. You know, we'll go through the numbers later, but you know, you you win the free throw battle. Uh, you know, getting twenty free throws. I think they had like you know ten or eleven, something like that. Like, this is how Indiana wants to play. And the difference, of course, Ryan, as you pointed out, is between the Florida State game and this game, you know, when Indiana, quote-unquote, wins pretty is when Devontae goes off from three, you know, or someone, you know, hits three or four three-pointers. That didn't happen tonight, and this team that was able to grind out. That has proven to be an unsustainable formula. <laughs> yes, I would say so. But this team... I think we said on that post-game show that that might be an unsustainable yes. formula. Take it whenever it happens, but, you know, we're not going to count on it, but... You know, and that's why I, I don't. I want to. I don't want to get out of this first segment without giving a hat tip to the coaching staff. And I know we've said that some, but for them to help this team battle through some of the doldrums that they had there in December and early January, and now Indiana's won four out of five Big Ten games, and really seems to be maybe not making meteoric improvements from game to game, but you see them slowly and steadily improving some of these things that were you know that we want them to do. Get the ball inside more. They're you know reducing the length of some of these droughts. You know he's shortening the rotation in crunch time. Like a lot of the stuff that we felt like this team needed to do they are doing and more importantly it's working and so i think you know big tip of the cap to the coaching staff for having this team ready to play and then for guiding them through andy you know kind of that tough stretch there in the second half where they really hit the skids you know i thought archie was intense all night long and just was not going to let his team let up like you could just see you could tell the archie energy he was one. giving yeah you could and i think sometimes that matters you know and you could just see it and, and and I think their ability to do that for this team, you know, the staff really deserves some credit because I think as this season goes along, 
They're finding out what works for this group. They're sitting Devontae when he's not going well. They're letting Armand play more when he is playing well. This is the stuff that has to happen for this group to win, and right now it's happening. Yeah, I, I felt like in large part from a substitution standpoint, they they tended to push the right buttons tonight. Uh, they went to race early. Trace got an early foul, and I think we're trying to keep him from a situation where he would get a second. They went to race early. He really responded, and it allowed them to uh, to leave Trace on the bench for a bit. Kind of same thing with Rob. I think he got a foul relatively early on, and it's kind of one of those where it's you know those are the two guys that you really can't afford to lose for any period of time. And uh, so I thought they did a good job subbing there, as you said. Um, Devante was, uh, I, I thought, poor for the majority of the game uh, that he was in there, and I, I would argue maybe even at times was in a little bit too long. But it went to Armand, and Armand responded with a couple big, uh, big plays, and I, I thought made made solid lineup decisions. Jerome didn't get uh, as much time; really got a little bit uh, to relieve Trace because then they moved Justin over to the four with Race hurt in the second half. So I thought they did some good things. I thought. Um, we talked about some of the you know decisions at the end of the game. Ran some nice sets. Um, they also had the play where they you know Joey slipped the screen and got a nice hook shot down there toward the toward the end. I thought IU found a variety of ways to score um, down the stretch when they really needed baskets. And uh, you know I think you give the coaching staff credit. And I think they have really tightened the rotation up a, a bit. Uh, we can point to the fact that a lot of guys played, but you're really starting to see a little bit more continuity because these games are ending with similar combinations of players on the floor. And I think some of the plate on the stretch tonight is, is potentially reaping the benefits of, of some of that continuity that's really been lacking. So uh, I agree with them. He was definitely, uh, definitely intense. Thought he was going to lose his mind on the one that should have been a travel call that eventually yeah. led to a, a three pointer by, yeah. by Michigan state. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, uh, you know, but yeah, I, I think they feed off of that. And uh, we've talked about, they need guys to be more emotional. I think Joey stepped into that really well. Um, but, they need some emotion there that's uh, under control, but intense. And, and I thought that's what he was tonight. Yep. Okay. Coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's four point victory over Michigan state, we will talk about tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed. And then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from this game. You are listening to another victorious episode of the assembly call. Stick with us. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 67-63 victory over the Michigan State Spartans tonight at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And it is time, guys, for tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed. And I believe that you have both alluded to these already, but I want to spend a little bit of time highlighting Armand Franklin, uh, who I thought really had some big moments. You know, he scored six points tonight. Again, numbers that don't jump off the page, but I thought the timing of his buckets were absolutely huge. So I'm going to take you back to the first half. Indiana jumps out to that big lead, it's, but at this point, it's 27-24 Indiana. Michigan State is on a little run, and you kind of feel like, hey, this is a danger zone here because you've been in control. You don't want to give up the lead before halftime. And so right before the under four-minute timeout, Armand Franklin gets it on the left wing, recognizes that there's no help, so just attacks. As soon as he saw that, he he drives, finishes, gets an and one, makes the free throw out of the timeout, 
And then on the next defensive possession, Indiana forces, uh, uh, you know, good defense. They force a miss. Armand and Trace get on the floor for the loose ball. Trace gets it ahead to Armand. He finds a running race, Thompson, who scores. And boom, just like that, it's 32-24. to And that quick 5-0 run really reestablished control for Indiana. And they would take a 37-30 lead into the half. And Armand was right there in the middle of both of them. And then, Ryan, you know, 51-48 in the second half, and this was where Indiana was having that drought. No field goals for five minutes. You know, they're really struggling, and Michigan State actually missed a couple of opportunities to extend that beyond a one-possession lead. Yeah. And Henry had a turnover. Wracking. Yeah. yeah, you know, he had a turnover. He missed a three, you know, late shot clock on a really good defensive possession by Indiana. And that's when Armand stepped up and drained his three from the right wing. It was a little dribble handoff from Brunk. A great seal by Joey Brunk, again, just doing the little things that help his teammates out. And Armand drains it. And it was interesting because right as he got the ball, Gus Johnson started talking about, you know, now that leadership question for Indiana. And who was it that stepped up and provided that leadership? It was Armand Franklin. And, you know, those plays, and I know we've talked about Ryan, you know, at times he's a little bit over-aggressive. Maybe at times he shoots a little bit quickly. But over the last few games, it seems like he's figuring out how to harness it. And it feels like he's picking his spots a little bit more. And I tell you, on a team that sometimes struggles to get plays from guards, and, and you either have a guard in Devontae Green who tries to do too much, or maybe a guy like Al Durham that sometimes is a little bit reticent, although we're going to get to him because he had some big moments, Armand is a guy who has that attacking mindset. And I think he's starting to figure out better where to pick his spots. And tonight he picked two huge spots because they were both huge momentum shifters for Indiana when it looked like Michigan State might take control of the game. And I know you would like to talk about that now. Yeah, no, I I, I think that he so you didn't you didn't mention who you I did. To I did. I said to. I said Ryan, then but then uh, I talked for like two more but minutes. But then he talked for yeah, an hour. Um <laughs> no, I, I think that that Franklin, you're starting to see what kind of player he can be. And and look, he's never going to be, a, he, well, at least I'm talking about this year, he's not going to be a knockdown three-point shooter. And he needs to rein that instinct in sometimes um, because there are sometimes he gets the ball on offense and he just attacks into nowhere, you know, and he's a freshman. That's what you expect. You expect and you'd rather make, have to slow a guy down than speed him up as a ex- coach. Exactly. Yeah, I, 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 he's a freshman. And so my when I do get frustrated with him, it's it's in the context of him being a freshman. Um, and so, you know, there are times where he fires too many three pointers and he's not a, a knockdown three point shooter. He's not, that's not the shot we want Armand. You know I mean? It's look to throw it inside. If you don't have, if you're not standing absolutely alone, don't hit that. That instance, it was an in rhythm three that he shot from the corner. It's from the wing, which is clearly his best spot on the floor. He has shown that. So you're fine with it. And it goes in, obviously it's a big, it's a big lift. But I think defensively, what he provides is what excites you. And and there are times where he'll get his hands in, into his defender, and we 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 have a group text going, and everybody brings it up whenever it happens. No, and you bring it up every time it happens. I do. So does coach. The both of us do. <laughs> and it's frustrating because it's a bad habit that he never kicked between high school. But it's again, it's a bad habit that a freshman has. You you expect those things. Um, but you know, it's if you if you put your hands on on a guy driving, the officials. Are going to call that every single time. So it's it's just a bad habit. He's got to kick as, as he continues to get older. But I think that you you see the aggressiveness, you see the attitude and, and the willingness to play defense. And it's exactly what we saw out of him in high school, just on a higher level now. And and I think that offensively things will come for him, but he just at times in some games when it's slowed down, he tries to force it a little too much. And he just got to kind of take a step back and 
get your shots within the offense. Don't try and create, you know, there's no, there's at no point should Armand Franklin be taking two dribbles and pulling up from 15 feet. You know, that's, this is not his game and that's not what Indiana is looking for. And so I thought he was great tonight. I thought he was smart tonight for the most part. And I thought that defensively he gave so much effort and there was a stretch there where he was guarding Cassius Winston and Indiana did not look the worst for it. So I, I think that, that Armand really had a great night and one he should be really happy about. And it seems like Archie trusts him more than the senior, which just yeah. is where we are here in this season. Well, I think y- you just look at him. He he runs hard through cuts. He was really fighting through screens, uh, which is what you have to do yeah. with uh, with Winston. And that's why Rob had been so, even going back to last year, had been really effective uh, at, at guarding him. He just would fight through everything and, and didn't make anything easy. You're going to give up baskets. He's going to make fouls. He's going to do, uh, you know, the things that we talked about that that apparently we all text about, but it's really just Ryan. Um, he, you know, he's going to make those plays, but he's making mistakes out of effort uh, as opposed to being casual. For sure. Yes. And yeah. so I think those are the things that you can live with. And and even Bill Raftery, when he first came in the game in the first half, talked about he's a really good prospect, going to be a good player. Um you know, anytime you can get Raftery on the call, that's a good thing. But I thought that was a good, you know, good comment of just kind of recognition of what he's seen from him thus far and, and being able to project forward and, and what he can be. So he's really put him, he's been put in some difficult situations at first in the season because of the injuries. Uh, but lately, you know, just some of the crunch time minutes that he's, that he's gotten and he really more often than not has responded well uh, to those. And if you think about spinning that forward to what he you know, will be a few years from now. I think that's a, an exciting thing to think about. But I just thought, really, was you know focused effort wise on on defense, and uh, he he's one that for all the talk about the rotation and who's going to earn minutes, like he is a guy who, without a doubt, is stepping in and doing everything he can to carve out more time for himself on the floor. And he's a guy that's being rewarded with that. So uh, that's what everybody wanted earlier in the season. Had complained about at times so that it didn't seem like you know play and doing the things that, that the coach wanted to do were leading to um, earning those extra opportunities. But with him, I think that's definitely been the case. And uh, kudos to him for really stepping up and, and taking that opportunity and making the most of it. By the way, did he set the best screen of the season on that little back screen on Trace Jackson Davis? That was a, that was a, really, good, set that was a really good screen for sure. And, and and the best part of it was is that all night Trace was or, uh, yeah Trace was down screening for a guard from that same spot, and they just flipped it yeah. and, and got the back screen instead. It was perfect, and it was so well done. And it's almost like they were setting them up for it for a while. I wonder if they've run that at all this year, and they were just setting teams up for it, saving it for the Michigan State game to reverse it. Yeah. So, one other moment that I want to mention. Look, everybody remembers Al Durham's two threes. They were huge. One at the end of the first half, the one at the end of the game that made it 63-60. Very easily could have been, you know, the banner moment tonight. It was a huge shot, and Indiana didn't get many threes tonight. They only had four of them, but my goodness, it felt like every single one of them was absolutely huge. But the moment from Al that really stood out to me, and it was right after the one I talked about with Armand when Indiana was down 51-48 and just no offense, and they were, they were struggling to get the ball inside. And so after that play where Armand hits the three, Cassius Winston goes down and makes a free throw. That makes it 52-51 Michigan State. And Indiana has another one of those possessions, Andy, where just nothing's going on. It's late shot clock. Al gets it on the left wing, and it's just like, I got to go. And he drives left, takes contact, scores. And it was, again... One of those times when Al drove to hit the basket, not just drove yep. to get fouled. And, and he, scre- he, 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 you know, and he scored. He took the contact. He scored. It put Indiana ahead. 
And I just thought it was a really huge moment for those two guards out there in a game where Indiana needed to get it inside. During this segment, they had to have guards step up and make plays, and Armand and Al did it. And so Al finishes with 11 points. The two threes are the big ones, but I thought that bucket that he made right there was just as big. Yeah, yeah. he made that, and I think he made uh, made a free throw after that. Missed the missed the first, made the second. So he scored, you know, those three three points right in a row. There, I, I do I do agree with you. There were a couple times during the game where he drove trying to get fouled and got chucked into the stanchion a, a time or two, I think. But um, but that was really one where he took control, and we've seen. Uh, probably too many late shot clock situations where maybe the wrong guy ends up with a ball in his hands and you're trying to figure out something to do. Uh, but he was decisive. I thought that was the biggest thing with that was it wasn't trying to you know dribble around. He went straight to the bucket, tried to make something happen, uh, finished well through that, and, uh, and and I thought had a really solid offensive game in terms of taking care of the ball. I think that's what you can really go to with, with all of them. Only eight turnovers for the game. I think Jay put in the chat it was the lowest turnover percentage of the season. So... Um, a good a good performance by those guys still had his struggles defensively uh when we when we talk about al but but really stepped up in as you said three really key moments and, and made big baskets um that that made a huge difference in the game has jay apologized for his less than mediocre pregame opinions about al durham when i chose al as my pick to click and he had <laughs> a, a very snarky gif response I'll, I'll 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 be accepting that apology on twitter jay thank you yeah. so so will al uh, when Al stepped into both those threes, I thought they were uh, they were really good shots, you know. And he got them. And and that one play, you're right, where they you know got the down screen. He came off it, and he had that big three later. You discussed it earlier, and and that was just a perfect set and a perfect catch and shoot opportunity. Even with a guy closing out late to it, he concentrated. And he finished his shot. And then I would say that drive was really good recognition from him to just take it off the wing, and because he had a step on the on the on the guy. Uh, helping, you know, who was in help defense shifting over. And, and again, you're right. It, there are times where he drives and he's clearly just looking for a foul. And that was definitely a time. And, and you just feel like if he would drive to finish more often, and you've said that a number of times, Jared, if he would just drive to finish more often, he'd probably score more. But he, even after he made that one screamed and won at the official, it's just like, I'll oh, get that out of your head. And that they're either going to call it or they're not. You got to go up strong and try and score every time. Andy, any moments that stuck out to you that we haven't gotten to yet? I feel like you hit the the ones that I would have uh, would have circled there. We talked about a lot of the late game, uh, the late game stuff, the the plays that Al made. Uh, those are really the ones that uh, that stood out to me. I do want to talk about that last possession um, when they basically waited until like ten seconds. But let, let's talk about that during the next segment. Um, let's hit stats here real quick, and then we can get to segment three um, numbers. Andy, that jumped out to you. Well, I think the turnovers we talked about. They had eight for the game, four in each half. Uh, and really, a, a couple of the ones in the second half were down the stretch. They had uh, were within the last couple of minutes, um, but I thought really took took good care of the ball, which you really have to do if you if you're not going to make a ton of threes and and not shoot a whole bunch. I thought that was the other thing. I, you really didn't get baited into taking a bunch of threes. They only shot twelve uh, for the game, made four as as you mentioned earlier. Really focused on getting the ball into the paint and and got to the free throw line a decent number of times. Just didn't convert. Uh, at a high rate, but ended with 34 points in the paint. Uh, I think they had 20 in the first half, which was important. Basically played Michigan State to a, a stalemate on the glass, um, got more offensive rebounds than Michigan State did, uh, outscored them in second chance points by seven. Um, really a lot of the little things I thought they did did well, and, and that's what this team has to do in order to make up for some of the deficiencies that they do have. You're not going to make a ton of threes, um, so you've got to take better care of the basketball, and, and I thought that was – Really, as as much as anything, 
um, what the difference was because they they executed relatively well down the stretch and um, you know just weren't weren't having empty possessions when this team is playing at its worst. Um, they're really careless. The turnovers snowball as we've, we've seen a number of times. And, uh, if there's one number to point out, it's that one. Like I said, I've seen a couple people say it's the lowest turnover uh, percentage of the season. So, um, a a really, really big thing that helped offset some of the other things that maybe they didn't do as well offensively, like shoot free throws and, um, and, and make a ton of threes. So, uh, that was, that was what stood out to me. You know, it's worth pointing out, Michigan State doesn't turn teams over a lot, so you would expect the turnover percentage to be down a little bit. But one thing they do... There's plenty of times that hasn't mattered, well, but yes, you're No, I know. I know. It, it's, not, it's not to necessarily take away that importance, because Indiana's had a lot of just self-imposed turnovers that they didn't have. But one thing Michigan State does do better than anybody, and they have ever since Cassius Winston's been there, is their assist rate. And it is 68.3% of their field goals are assisted. That is number one in the country. I don't think it's particularly close. And tonight, you know, you can tell the kind of job Indiana did defensively against a Michigan State team that is 13th nationally in offense. Michigan State only had 13 assists on 22 field goals. So that's still greater than 50%, but it's not nearly their elite level. And that's how they want to play. And so we've talked a lot about how sometimes teams come into Assembly Hall and they're a little bit too comfortable. And that's why guys go off and start making shots. You know, and Michigan State did get a few open three-pointers tonight, uh, just, you know, because of some late rotations and because of how much they were overplaying Cassius Winston and hedging those ball screens. But you can see how much Indiana disrupted what Michigan State wants to do from that assist rate. And I just thought it was a really, for the most part, an outstanding defensive performance from a team that just keeps getting better and better defensively. Um, any other stats? Ryan, are you with us for stats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that it was interesting that, that and I mentioned this before, but Michigan State hit 43% of its, three, of its threes. And I think that if you came into this game, so Michigan State is going to hit 43% of its threes. Indiana is only going to hit 55% from the free throw line. I think you'd say that Michigan State was going to win the game. And, and, and one of the ways that Indiana has to keep teams from scoring, because Indiana can't match teams on the three-point line, is to keep that percentage low and make them shoot a lot of contested bad shots. Michigan State, despite what I thought was pretty good defense from Indiana for most of the night, got some open looks and knocked them down. And Indiana managed to weather that storm there. Michigan State, 6 of 10 in the second half. Uh, the other thing, two teams that really pride themselves on rebounding, Indiana 31-29 won the battle of the glass. Obviously huge. I mean, you know, Michigan State uh, is the, Tom Izzo's thing is beating teams on the glass and beating them into submission on the glass. Indiana beat them tonight. And then the other one, 34 points in the paint against 18. You do that against Michigan State, you're going to win the game. And, and, and I thought that Indiana really attacked and did a great job of forcing the ball into the paint and then having, you know, guys drive in, try and score that way. And, and Rob Finnessy had a couple of really nice drives where he finished tonight that some of them probably classified as, as in the paint and some probably didn't because he had a couple of little, he had the, that one little pull up that he put in. But I, I thought those were huge. Winning the toughness battle, winning, you know, in the paint and then, and then uh, winning on the boards was huge for Indiana. Yep. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to hand out our game balls. Then we will hit some other lingering storylines. Still want to talk about that offensive possession. Uh, and then we'll look ahead to what is next for this Indiana team with another big test coming on Sunday. Then it will be time for last call. Stick with us on the assembly call. This is 
Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you are there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866. To subscribe to the newsletter, that is IU to 66866. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. We are breaking down Indiana's victory tonight over the Michigan State Spartans as the Hoosiers move to 5-3 and three, uh, in a very crowded and jam-packed <laughs> Big Ten with, uh, you know, I think it's now Michigan State and Illinois tied at 6-2 and two, and then like 15 teams tied at 5-3. and three. Not really. Obviously, there's like four or five teams, I think, tied at five and three. It's very jumbled, uh, as it will probably be here for the rest of the season. But it's time now for our game balls. I saw someone mention in the chat, why aren't we talking about Joey Brunkmore? Uh, you know, he was the banner moment. We have sprinkled in conversation about him, but I think we, we all were also waiting knew. for this moment. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think we know where the game ball is going tonight. So let's just make this the Joey Brunk appreciation segment. And hey, feel free to go elsewhere with your game ball if you wish. Uh, but Andy, you can do the honors. First. Well, in some of Archie's uh, post-game comments, he talked about Brunk. He's improved as much as any player I've been around from month to month. He's absolutely brought us production. It just means the world. Uh, yeah, he, he's a guy. I, I feel like every game there's either people in the chat, people on Twitter that are like, I, I was dogging, the, you know, hand up. I was dogging this guy early in the season, uh, wondering, you know, what they saw in him at times. Uh, but he is really, I, and we've talked about it on either post-game shows or on the radio show, just just how consistent he's been. Uh, he has improved as, as Archie talked about over the course of the season. Um, you know, they're trying to do some different things, ball screen uh, wise tonight to really prevent Winston uh, from, from turning the corner. And that did lead to lead to some baskets. And that's been a, a criticism of him, but uh, just from an emotional standpoint, you know, him walking off the court after Durham made that big three uh, down the stretch, he's as fired up as anybody. And I think that's the kind of emotion that has generally been, lacking from this team for I'm not even sure how many seasons to be honest with you um and so I think he's he's just been been such a spark and kind of a, a rock for these guys that you know, they can try to get the ball to seems to be uh in the right spot to you know the the fantasy drive toward the end where he just happens to you know, be in the right spot be able to get it up before the shot clock runs out and uh and so I thought a really strong performance from him uh gave IU the chance to do some different things um defensively didn't you know, have to put Trace in positions uh, where the uh, you know where where Trace had to guard Tillman. You know, they could they could be able to kind of switch back and forth and, and do that. And so I think having another you know big guy that can can play in those scenarios is a is a great thing. And I thought he just came up with a number of clutch buckets, played good at the start, uh, made some big plays down the stretch, and uh, overall really strong game from Joey. Yeah, his game log is just remarkable. I mean, he has become this team's clear, most consistent contributor, and it's really, it's not even close. Uh, Ryan, who gets your game ball? You going with Joey? Yeah, you got it tonight. I, I just think that Joey's energy was consistent throughout. Uh, I think that his production was consistent throughout. It wasn't like he clustered points in the first half and then didn't show up in the second half. I thought he was really, really a key player all night. Um, you know, and some of the things that have dogged Joey are, are, you know, little turnovers. And tonight the only turnover he had was a bad call on a travel. I didn't think he moved his feet and they, and they called him for a trial. You know, I love calling out big men for shuffling their feet. And I did not think he traveled on that, on that one, but you know, 14 points, seven to 12 from the field, six rebounds. He was in there for a lot more rebounds battled and, and poked him around and, and, 
you know, for his teammates to come get. I just thought it was a fantastic showing for Joey and, and uh, you know, he did all that in only 28 minutes. It wasn't like he played 36 and, and he was very efficient when he was on the floor. And um, I think that Indiana suffered when he was off the floor. And I think earlier in the season, I think there were times that Indiana played a lot better when he was off the floor. And I don't think that's the case anymore. So credit to Joey for getting better. I thought there were a couple of times he got hung up on screens and, and flattening out a little too long, but those are split second decisions and, and you know, college kids are going to mess those up. Um, I, I just thought it was an outstanding performance from Joey, and I thought that he, he's easily my pick for game ball. Yeah, he's had an offensive rating of 93 or better in every game uh, since the Wisconsin game. Uh, I mean, just really, I mean, you know, that horrible performance by Indiana. He was, you know, chief among the guys not playing well, but he's really stepped it up since then. He's had an offensive rating of 107 or better in six of Indiana's last seven games. And if you're not familiar with offensive rating, just know that number is really, really good. That is, you know, and again, you know, we've talked for really the last three years, you know, how challenging it has to be for Archie Miller to try and figure out who we can count on from a night in, night out basis. And this team, it feels like you're starting to get some of those guys. You know, you feel like you can count on Joey Brunk. Really, outside of a couple of performances, you can count on Trace Jackson Davis. And some of these guards are starting to come around and play a little bit more consistently. So that's really good to see. Uh, my game ball obviously goes to Joey Brunk, but I do want to just give uh, an honorable mention to Trace Jackson Davis, uh, who I thought, again, you know, it's one of those things like the numbers aren't great. He's had better but given the moment, given the opposition, given how this game was played, he was huge. And obviously his defensive play at the end of the game. What is it with these home games against Michigan State coming down to us having to contain Cassius Winston on the final possession? It's you know, it's ironic how much we've talked about this team struggling Last with Last time that'll have to happen though, right? Yes, thank goodness. Because by the way, and this might be the last postgame show that we do for a Cassius Winston game, because Indiana doesn't play Michigan State again this year, right? So I guess we we could play them in the Big Ten tournament, uh, but that would require winning games in the Big Ten tournament. So let's not get say, ahead sure of ourselves. I'm sure that'll go well if that happens. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just enjoy this one and not talk about that. But uh, just real quick, he's been one of my favorite players to watch play in the Big Ten, Cassius Winston. Uh, a wizard with the ball, a guy who puts every pass right where it needs to go. Uh, and he got hot, you know, and, and Indiana, I thought, really had a great defensive strategy against him, Andy, uh, in the first half and really just kind of overplayed him. We're going to make other guys beat him and just not let him do Cassius Winston things off the dribble. And then I thought they, they brought him off the ball, and that was a great adjustment. And Indiana was able to adjust again at the end of the game. So it was a nice little chess match there with one of, you know, just one of the the best and most talented offensive players we've seen in the conference. And it's been a joy to watch these games come down to the end where you know you've got to stop that guy. And that's why it makes it rewarding to win these games because now two years in a row at home, Indiana's been able to do it. And that's really saying something because he's gotten a lot of teams. So I tip my cap to that young man. He's he's dealt with a lot this season. Uh, he's now the Big Ten's all-time assist leader. Uh, and it's you know it's been a joy to watch him play. I'm glad we don't have to face him anymore, though. It was a, yeah, it's funny. I remember walking out of the Michigan State game last year and there was a Michigan State fan close to us. And I was like, man, I'm so glad he's not back. And then he was like, oh yeah, he's just a junior. And then I, I was like, oh, well, that's demoralizing. But uh, I, I did, like, I did think like, he'll definitely be going to the NBA though, right? There's no, no, I, that, no, I didn't think that unfortunately, but um, it was, as you said, a, a good chess match between the coaches because uh, IU had really, they tried to string out those screens as best they could. And uh, and really try to make somebody else beat them. And there were times early in the game where Michigan State was getting open shots and not making them. They started to make more of those in the second half, and then they would basically get Winston in a case where he'd reverse the ball, and it was tended to be Tillman at the at the wing, 
and, and driving and a shooter in the corner. And it basically left whoever was guarding the shooter, which in a couple cases at the beginning of the second half was out to basically decide I'm either going to cut off this drive, hope that the help gets there from somebody else. Uh, you know, those were really the two options at, at that point. And so they got a couple buckets that way. IU adjusted a little bit to that, but then when Michigan State, you know, eventually made Winston that guy in the corner, uh, I thought Devontae got in in a bad spot a couple times uh, with that, and really ran Winston off of s- some screens and uh, and got him going. I thought that was a good move by Izzo. And we talked about the three point shooting for Michigan State in the second half. They made their first five, um, but then they were one of five on the ones thereafter. So you know, water finds its level, all those kinds of things. They missed a bunch early. They hit some late in the first half, hit some early in the second half, and then missed a bunch uh, late as well. But I, yeah, it was a, it, it was a fun game, but yeah, he's a guy that you, you would prefer to just watch uh, from afar playing somebody else and carving up somebody else as opposed to living in constant fear of what he's going to do to your own defense. Uh, but I thought in general, you defended him pretty well. He, he's a guy who's going to get his points, um, you mentioned the assist rate was was a big one. I thought in general they took Michigan State out of some things that they really wanted to do. You know, and a big part of guarding Cassius Winston obviously was Rob Finnessy, uh, and he's a guy who we have years in a row. Yeah, you know, and we haven't talked a ton about him. Another guy whose numbers that they're not going to jump off the page. You know, eight points, four assists, did have three turnovers, but you know, in, in a season of real up and down performances from Rob, this was a real solid one. I thought, you know, for the most part, was pretty good defensively. I think it's, look, he's just not going to be fully healthy all year long. Archie said that a month and a half ago, and it's easy to forget that because he's out there playing every night, but he's dealing with some injuries. He's not 100%. And so, you know, I know some people were talking in the chat that he looked like he was really hobbled at the end of the game. So I don't know if he got hurt again, uh, but, you know, he continues to battle through it. And I thought he provided, provided a steadying influence, especially early in the game. And then defensively, you know, when Cassius went off and, 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 and started going, I think that began when Rob was off the court, and then they had to get him back on there. And, you know, he's the best and savviest on-ball defender we had, and for the most part did a really good job of kind of quarterbacking Indiana through some of those possessions where Cassius had the ball. Um, and that's two years in a row now that we've seen that from Rob. And that's, you know, you can look at the offensive numbers and you want him to be more of a catalyst there, but what he provides for the defense is just as important, if not more important, than what he provides to the offense. Ryan, if you want to, yeah, give for, some quick for sure. No, and and I thought that Rob came out actually aggressive offensively. He was really forcing the post. I thought that he was really trying to uh, probe defensively. I mean, there are times where he does those dribble handoffs and he just walks side to side. This time, he was giving a jab step inside, and if the coverage was good, then he back it out and kind of go to his wing spot. And I, I thought that it was it was an interesting approach and a different approach from Rob, where usually he's a little passive to start games. Um, obviously, you know that wasn't the case. Uh, what home game was it where he knocked those three threes down early? Ohio State. Ohio State, thank you. Uh, you know, where he was aggressive there shooting, but he wasn't, you know, probing and, and driving. And I thought that he looked to drive more tonight. And we've talked about him really needing to get that confidence going. All right. So real quick, I just want to say bye to our radio audience. I know when the show gets played on the radio, since this postgame show is doubling as assembly call radio, uh, we're going to have to say bye to you guys. If you want to hear the rest of the show, go to assemblycall.com. You can always get our podcast because we you know, still have more that we talk about uh, here on the postgame show. We appreciate you all listening. We'll talk to you Sunday after the IU Maryland game. Uh, and then obviously we'll be back for assembly call radio next week. So thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, go Hoosiers. Okay, now back here for the rest of the postgame show. Uh, Andy, your quick thoughts on uh, on Rob Finnessy. I think really defensively, you know, I touched on earlier, just watching him fight through screens is 
uh, somewhat in being there last year, watching him defend Winston, you saw more of the same. But it's not easy. It's it's basically getting put through the ringer trying to you know go through all these ball screens with him, and he continued to do a really good job there. And I agree with you guys. He was smartly aggressive on offense. I felt like I think there have been times where he's forced things just to try to ignite things and get things going. I don't think they're plays made out of selfishness, but I, I think he puts a lot on himself to be able to, you know, try to get guys going. Um, and so sometimes he'll drive to the basket and, uh, and maybe not be able to finish, but I think he's, he's out there trying to make things happen based on uh, aggressiveness. So I thought it was a, another solid game from, from him. And it's, it's one of those that it's games like these and in, in tight, tight games against good teams that really underscore the players who are the most important and, and reinforce in this case, just how important Rob is on both ends of the floor. He was a settling force offensively and and was a guy that you could count on to go and do a good job defending the other team's best player. And and you just watch games like that and, and realize or or reconfirm to yourself just how important he really is and uh, just a really solid performance. It's not a game that they win uh, without him by any stretch of the imagination, uh, especially with so so little guard depth. The other guy that we need to mention is Justin Smith. Uh, you know, not the great numbers. You know, he is a guy who really produced well against Michigan State last year. We all remember what he did to rescue Indiana from you know when they were down 15, 16 points early against Michigan State uh, in that home game last year, and he started uncorking some three pointers, much to the chagrin. Arguably of the Tom most Izzo. surprising, <laughs> arguing one of the one of the most surprising offensive outbursts in Indiana yes. basketball history. It was, it was, and he didn't do that tonight. You know, he did take a couple of shots that I thought were a little bit early, a couple of jumpers in the first half, but he really got those out of his system, and we didn't see many more of them. You know, He wasn't really able to get going offensively, but I think to his credit, he didn't force it, and he you know, kind of found some ways to be a ball mover uh, and to you know, just not clog things up in the post, and you can't really talk about a good Indiana defensive performance without talking about Justin. Yes, you know, he got lost, you know, was late a couple of times getting out to Gabe Brown, but you know, the reason why he gets 34 minutes in a game like this, which is more minutes than anybody else, is because Archie Miller really trusts him on the defensive end of the court. And he's kind of a glue guy on defense um, back there. And so the numbers don't jump out. He obviously had that huge opportunity at a dunk and transition when Rob sailed the pass over his head. That would have been big. Uh, a big, big momentum play that Indiana wasn't able to get when it was 44 to 40. Um, but I think you know, a, a, just a solid effort from Justin overall. And I think the fact that he didn't try to do too much on offense allowed for Trace and Joey to get more touches inside, uh, which was important. So you'd like to see Justin be able to produce more, um, but that just wasn't really in the cards tonight. But still, I thought a useful performance from him uh, as Indiana's minutes leader. Any any thoughts on him from you fine gentlemen? No. Okay. Um, I thought there were, I thought there were some, sorry, I had to unmute myself, which I, you know, I rarely mute myself for obvious reasons, but um, no, I thought that Justin made Has Madeline ever figured out how to mute you. No, no, <laughs> she's regretted it. If we haven't long. figured it out in 10 years, it, I mean, yeah, you guys, what are you, you guys do? Really better than that. <laughs> Uh, I will say Justin made his free throws tonight. He was four or five. He did. The line. And, and, uh, that was, that was something that Indiana wasn't doing on the whole as a team. So I thought that that was important. I thought that there were stretches defensively where he played pretty well. I thought that Xavier Henry and he was, was a, a matchup nightmare for Indiana and, and wait, who? Uh, I mean, sorry, Aaron, Henry. what's oh. his name? Henry. Yeah, well, Aaron Henry. it's either Xavier Tillman or Aaron Henry. Yeah, I was thinking Aaron Henry. I'm sorry. I, I got those two guys messed up because there used to be. Yeah, he, he really got going there for a stretch. Yeah, 
And and I thought that was a matchup nightmare for for Indiana at one point, but I thought that Justin really calmed that down, and I thought that he he actually gave some good minutes, sort of playing as a four too, and and I thought that that was um, really key to, especially given that that Trace had some, you know, they didn't have Ray Thompson in the second half, and Trace needed some rest, Joey Brock needed some rest. I thought Justin gave some good minutes defensively, offensively. I think it's just always going to be a mixed bag, but um, it's. You know, uh, you got to take what you can get from him. Um, I was surprised we didn't see more of um, Jerome Hunter for him, but I think that Archie wanted to tighten the. I don't think Jerome bit. was ready for the game. No, like, I don't think so either. Like I think he finished well, but it was he as did, shaky as I've throws, seen but... him early. Like he had that yeah. one play where Joey got the ball in the post and he just inexplicably inexplicably cut along the baseline and totally yeah. messed Joey up. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He didn't have the same like. Jerome Verve that we've seen when he gets in, well, he's ready to go offensively. It was like it was like the moment was, the, was going a little too fast for him in the first. This half. was this was an uh, the first opportunity he's had as a key rotation player to be in this kind of atmosphere. He's been in the rotation for for games with with the crowd a little bit a couple times. But this is the first time since he's become like a twenty minute a game guy where he's had this big, you know, huge Big Ten matchup with the crowd, you know all 17,000 screaming, whatever. And yeah, it seemed a little big for him, but again, you know, freshmen run into that. And he's, as, as Archie keeps saying, he's a true freshman more than he's a redshirt freshman. And so I was, I was, I was surprised that we didn't see more opportunities for him to come in and maybe see if he had settled down a little bit. He seemed to play early and didn't play well and, and, and got buried and, and, you know, Hey, in a close game, you got to do that. You got to shorten your rotation and, and you only put the guys out there who are, who are doing things. For He's you. clearly so, part of Indiana's crunch time defensive lineup though. And then he yep. stepped up and made those two free throws when no one else did. So Good for he, him. he, he got back into the moment after struggling I, a little I bit. I agree. I agree. I, I was surprised we didn't see him earlier in the second half, but, um, but no, I wasn't I think, with how I think, he played in the first half. I, I think, I think part of that was that Smith was playing well defensively and at least providing a lift. And he was in there on some key rebounds. He got fouled a couple times. I mean, he, he was at least in the mix, even though statistically it wasn't one of his better games. Andy, can we talk about, uh, that last play for Indiana? Uh, you know, we've lauded the coaching staff, but when it was 65, 63, 38.3 seconds left, Archie calls a timeout. And, you know, we saw in some of these situations last year, they would just give the ball to Romeo out top and he would basically just dribble, you know, dribble the shot clock down until there's like seven seconds left and then go. And it, you know, it just it didn't work (laughs) time after time. And so tonight they do that and Rob gets it down to about 10 seconds and they do a little ball screen with Trace Jackson Davis and they try and get it into Trace, which is fine. Like, I really don't have an issue with the set, but I do have an issue with starting at 10 seconds because if the first option's not there then you leave yourself no margin for error as opposed to running something else you know like I get you want to take some more time off the clock but you know I would rather there still be five seconds on the clock and we get a good shot as opposed to that which Rob was kind of in between should I shoot it should I not there's not much time left I don't have anywhere else to go I I just don't understand why we wait so long to get into those sets in crunch time it's I thought the coaching staff did a great job and this is clearly a philosophical thing by them it's just something that I don't understand. Yeah, it, it just felt like at a certain point when the initial read wasn't there, uh, it, it, it he just needed to take the shot. I think one of one of you guys mentioned in our 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 text that given the way IU had offensive rebounded, that at least get the ball up on the rim and give yourself a chance to go get it for sure. Um, get so, fouled, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe something happens there, and I feel like that's a shot that Rob has taken in that in that scenario. Um, 
So I think it's just potentially a, a learning uh, type experience for for those guys of you know the timing of of some of those plays because even if you get the ball into trace there he typically is is a guy who makes quick moves but the way he'd had to play for the most part of this game the way they were really overplaying you were going to need it, it wasn't necessarily going to be a you're not catching on the run going to the basket you're in true post up he's going to need a dribble or two to get into something and you were really under the gun uh, at that point anyway so I, I think it's just a uh, it was one of the few times I felt like they came out when they really were intent on run something and uh, didn't quite weren't quite able to do it. The guy was really overplaying yeah. uh, Trace up the lane and and kind of pushed him up enough to be able to deflect the ball. Yeah, and I you know I get it. You know, as, as Coach Tonsoni says in the chat, the ball went inside. I mean, kind of. I mean, we didn't actually complete the pass. You know, I almost wonder if having Joey in that spot might be a little bit better since he's stronger at holding his post position. Although you know, Trace is obviously such a threat. And then in terms of taking time off the clock and putting Michigan State in a tough time situation, regardless of outcome, as Coach says, I get that. But the tougher situation is being down four. And so I would just rather, I guess, get a good shot and leave myself a little margin for error. I, you know, again, yeah, maybe I, I'm wrong. I'm not a coach. But to me, that just makes a little bit more sense. I, I think that it was very much a situation where they were like, we're going to our best player. We're going to give the ball to our best player, which is Trace. Yeah. And we're going to figure out a way to get it in there. I agree with you. They maybe waited three seconds too long to initiate the set. Um you know, but it's probably one of those things where it's, hey, with 11 seconds left, we go probably should have been about 14 or whatever, you know, the, the difference was that said, I mean, they almost got it to where they wanted to go. It wasn't like the set didn't work. I think that Rob, maybe his angle in the past wasn't as good as he wanted to be. So that's why he hesitated a little bit. Then he just fired the pass. Um, again, I think that I said it in our chat, he probably should have just shot it at that point because he did yeah. kind of bounce and delay a little bit. It's like, hey, put it up on the rim, see what happens. There are, you know, obviously, I use a great rebounding team. Um, go up and, and try and get the ball, maybe get fouled, whatever. But um, yeah, I think that maybe somebody gets a hand on it, tips it out, whatever happens. I, I think you got to get a shot up there. Um, obviously, they got what they wanted out of the set, which was an isolation on, on TJD, and they, they need to get the ball in, and it just didn't yeah. work out. Yeah, like Jay said, it, it, you know, it wasn't there, and that's just where I go. It'd be nice to have a little more time to be able to move Agreed. on to something. Else. I, I agree with you. I think maybe three three seconds earlier on that yeah. set and, and run it run it and leave yourself another option, and whether that's a jump shot or what, uh, leave yourself another option on the out. I wish we could like pull a fourth uh, video in here of Archie Miller and like see his face watching us debate this. Uh, <laughs> There'd be a lot of head shaking <laughs> and just throwing be, things. J- just the <laughs> also a lot of gum chewing. There would be a lot of gum chewing. I think the. The smirk on his face would be would be funny, but hey, you know, <laughs> it's okay. It was, you know, it was a good set, but let's just start it a little bit earlier. Um, any other storylines from this game, guys? I, you know, you look at the Ken Palm where's, numbers, where's Indiana, Ken Palm? Yeah, uh, Indiana is now 39th. So they just kind of are inching their way back up. They hit a low of how low did they get? They were 44th prior to the Ohio State game, which was the lowest they've been. Uh, and then obviously beat Ohio State, lost to Rutgers, beat Nebraska, beat Michigan State. So they, you know, you win a home game by four points, you're not going to jump a ton. But the defense is now in the top 30 in the country while the offense is 59th. So that's that honestly, is, I'm uh, like, I think that that's pretty good for where the offense could be. You know what I mean? I think that's I mean, kind I mean, of what we projected preseason. Yeah. You know, we said, you know, it's probably a top 30 defense, a chance to be top 20. They're trending in that direction. And, you know, I think we all knew that the the gaudy offensive numbers from November were not going to continue once we got into Big Ten play, which has been true. But they're finding ways to score when they need it, and they're finding ways to get the ball inside in tough matchups. And that's uh, 
That's what they have to do. So we look ahead uh, to Sunday. Indiana will face the Maryland Terrapins, uh, a team that is, where's Maryland right now? They are ranked 10th in the country in Ken Palm, the Maryland Terrapins. They are 15-4, and four, uh, but all four of their losses have come on the road. They did end up beating Northwestern by 11 recently, but they were down for a lot yeah. of that game. Uh, obviously, a lot of talent. Imagine being down to Northwestern. Yeah, yeah. come on. Yeah, Wait, who does that? <laughs> who does that? So, a lot of talent for this Maryland team. You know, I kind of thought all along, Andy. I had kind of a sneaking suspicion that if Indiana could win this game against Michigan State, that I was going to feel real, real confident about their chances to beat Maryland. Number one, because Maryland's not very good on the road, and number two, you're like. This the team's starting to build a little momentum now. You know, when fans go out and they go to a home game and they get riled up and they're excited, and then you win it, it builds momentum for the next one. So I expect with the students back, there to be a lot of excitement for this game. This Maryland team hasn't really been one that's handled situations like that very well. And so if we get the kind of toughness and overall execution that we got tonight, this is you know, Indiana will beat Maryland. Obviously, they've got to do that, but you know, I'm 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 feeling good about it, at least right now. Yeah, as you said, they've really struggled away from home. Uh, so that is the thing. In the that, Big Ten that, that, that you like. Um, yeah. So so they've really, um, really not played well away from home. So that that helps. Uh, I think they've got a few guys that aren't shooting it as well from three point range as as was expected of them uh, earlier in the season. And I think Rob's uh, health. You know, people talked about him limping a little bit. Might have banged knees with somebody. Becomes really important with Anthony Cowan coming in. And, and the way that they're going to be able to spread people out. And and you really need to see IU. It's another game where you've got a, a team coming in that doesn't play a ton of big guys, really outside of Jalen Smith, don't play anybody um, taller than 6'7", maybe 6'8", in, in there, uh, in, in the, uh, well, except for the 7'2", freshman guy. But um, you know, I think there's an opportunity if you really are – adamant about getting the ball inside as they were at times during tonight's game. That's a, an advantage that you really have to, to find. We talked about that in the Nebraska game where you're playing uh, a team with that many wing players. If you're not able to use what is clearly your advantage uh, in that game, you're putting yourself in a little bit of trouble uh, just in terms of the way that they can spread you out. So that's really, to me, the thing to look for. But I also think if you can get off to a good start again, similar to what you did today, uh, Maryland gets a little bit of the here we go again uh, away from home type things and um, maybe that puts you in a good spot but uh, that was you know, motivation should not be an issue given how poorly IU played in the first matchup with them I, I think uh, you would like to think that from a toughness standpoint as Ryan mentioned earlier that you've started to see more of that from this team and this you know coming back and playing well against a team that uh, that really embarrassed you the first time around would be another step in the in the way uh, of toughness for this team, so I'm I'm curious to see how they come out and play. Seem to you know really need to just be able to great win against Michigan State. You got to put that behind you. Now you've got another chance to to beat one of the top teams in the Big Ten at home. Protect your home court uh, before you hit the road a little bit and uh, and go from there. By the way, I know I've mentioned the Ken Palm like player similarity rating before at times. I'm never going to use it again because I'm looking at Anthony Cowan's player comps. They've got Yogi Ferrell 2016, Yogi Ferrell 2015, <laughs> Shabazz Napier 2014, Sharon Collins 2010. Anthony Cowan is a good player. He's been a really good player for four years. He is not on the level of Yogi Ferrell, and I do not want to see that, or Shabazz Napier, who led his team to an NCAA title. Yeah, Your no. system is broken, Ken, and if I ever use that again, if I ever use that again, just remind me, Anthony Cowan. 
Yogi Ferrell is so much better than Anthony Cowan. His effective field goal percentage is 45%. Please. Oof. Oof. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> well, I got one more thing because you guys know I'm working. I've got to get out of here. But I want to say I'm going to have an article on this uh, game tomorrow Ooh. morning for the big lead. So, Jared, I'm sure we'll retweet and send that out But um, from the Assembly Call account. But, yeah, I'll have an article on this game so you can read my th- my in-depth thoughts that you just heard. Will it be all race Thompson or just a little bit race? Uh, Thompson? It's gonna, you know, it's gonna be mostly race Thompson. <laughs> I'm kind of like a jazz musician. I kind of mix. You just, I, I don't know where I'm going once I start. So, uh, but no, I there there there'll be a race Thompson mentioned in there. Why not? He had two blocks and two steals in 11 minutes. That is man, and that's four disruptive rebounds. defending. I mean, that was it. Four rebounds and four yeah. points. God, and one of those rebounds. Guy, by the way, he. He got four rebounds, and two of them he tipped to his teammates. Or no, one he tipped to a teammate. The other one he stole the ball back from uh, Michigan State. That guy's a ball of energy. We got to find ways to get him. He, he has this, uh, his block percentage is six point three percent. His steal percentage is two point four percent. His defensive rebounding percentage is twenty four point three percent. Twelve percent offensive rebounding percentage. All of those numbers again. If you're not familiar with advanced analytics, those are all great numbers. Now it's in limited sample size. But those are elite-level numbers when he's in the game. And you saw it tonight. That was elite-level defense, toughness, glue guy-type stuff that he can do. We just got to keep him healthy, man. Yeah, Archie, he, Archie he talked about He is a major building game. block for this program if he can stay healthy. Yeah, Archie said after the game, basically it was a back injury. It stiffened up, and they're you know just going to monitor him, see that don't really have any idea of if he'll miss other time or not, but did say yeah. it was the best game he'd had uh, as a collegian in his uh in what he did tonight in 11 minutes so uh, I, agree. I, I think we would all agree with that wholeheartedly all right i just looked at ken palm again and now we're 31st on defense ken your site's broken fix it because we're just we're not going to use it anymore. he can't he can't keep games from happening jared that that can't happen <laughs> i know i know all right you are listening to the assembly call you post game show remember that because you are an assembly call listener you get 20 percent off your entire order at homefieldapparel.com with the promo code assembly two zero so if you want a great deal on the most comfortable and unique iu apparel that you will find anywhere go to homefieldapparel.com use the promo code assembly two zero and you will get 20 percent off your entire order all right guys time for last call it's always fun to linger on a big win over Michigan State, uh, but we do need to close up the show now. So final thoughts, Ryan, why don't you go first? Just a big win for Indiana, biggest of the year, I'd say. Uh, I think before this, it was Florida State. I think this is the biggest of the year because of what it means in the Big Ten. Uh, obviously, getting a huge win over Michigan State, <laughs> three in a row somehow, three in a row against Michigan State, when for years couldn't beat them. Uh, I, I thought this team, as as we led with, I thought they won with toughness tonight, and they won with with heart and hustle and and all the things you want to see from your team. And, and uh, it's not perfect. There's still things they got to work on. But but to win this game when you only make half your free throws, to win this game when the other team shooting you know shoots forty three percent from three and hits a bunch in the row to start the start the second half, and to just absolutely. Jared just said something really funny in the chat. Um, just, just when when you have the ability to take punches from another team, a good team like Michigan State, and 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 remain tough and focused and and come back. And and I, when when Michigan State took the lead on a three pointer and and Indiana was down, I mean they could have gone two, one of two ways. They could have just wilted there. And early in the season, we've seen them wilt against tough teams. They didn't do that. They fought back. They took the lead back. They held it. 
they battled through a couple ties and, and, and lead changes and everything, but they kept battling back and they, they finally just outlasted Michigan state and, and played smart basketball down the stretch when, and forced Michigan state in some tough, tough shots and tough situations. This team starts with defense and will win with defense, but it was nice to see them finally start getting what they want on offense and really push that. And as I said, to open the, to open the show, they really started to take on what Joey Bronk does every single game. And that's fight and battle and not give up and show that toughness and that mentality of just never quitting. This team showed it tonight and you want them to start making this a habit. Uh, Andy, before you go real quick, uh, you know, this is Thursday. And so a lot of times we end with a mailbag question and we do have a submission here that I just saw come in, uh, from Twitter, uh, from our buddy Jay. So let's cue the music. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's mediocre question. So let's see. I don't. Okay, number one, did did Jay apologize for the Al Durham stuff? Well, we'll get to that. But he said the mediocre question of the week is how much crap does he deserve for saying that Joey Brunk is a rich man's Tim Priller? I'd oh, say goodness, pretty pretty fair amount. <laughs> That's a dump truck of manure, is what you deserve. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty wow. I mean, how rich is the man is really the question that you have to ask yourself <laughs> yeah. so perhaps you know yeah if it's yeah like a jeff bezos uh tim priller <laughs> like the tim priller that that had that five minute stretch against purdue where he scored like six points and had five and rebounds no maybe 76 stop. screens stop. <laughs> on that i'm out of here goodbye <laughs> oh man we yeah. love tim priller on the show yeah. Um, absolutely (laughs) okay Uh, thanks for that (laughs) Uh, Andy you're uh, Uh, let's go well Ryan really did just leave you know maybe that wasn't such a mediocre question after all maybe that's yeah keep sending him in Jay if it gets him to log off I mean (laughs) keep him coming (laughs) yeah do what you gotta do just (laughs) anyway um, from a you know from a last call standpoint for me I, I do really feel like we're starting to to learn a bit more about this team, and and people are starting to settle into uh, to roles. We we talked about this a few times tonight, but you know those six guys of Armand, Rob, Al in the backcourt, and uh, Trace, Joey, and Justin up front have really been the six that have closed out a lot of these games lately. And so you're starting to to get a better feel that uh, one, there are players that Archie is actually comfortable with in uh, in crunch time. Two, who those guys are, and three, they're delivering. Uh, as I said tonight, it was a, it was a really tight game where every possession you know, was important down the stretch, and IU scored on a whole lot more than they didn't. Uh, could have made it maybe less interesting by hitting more of their free throws, but um, it, it does feel like they're starting to build some continuity. It does feel like you're starting to have more guys that you, you have a better idea of what you can expect uh, from them on a night in and night out basis, which is something everybody's been clamoring for for quite a while at this point so um i just think it's a it seems to be a positive development if you can bring other guys along to potentially even if they're not in the crunch time on us but really add to the mix of guys that you can bring in uh carve out specific roles for them i think race was on his way to that tonight we've we've talked about the injury stuff with him a lot uh, but i thought he was just super active and the kind of bench guy that can really come in and, and change a game or at least keep going the momentum or build that momentum. I thought that's what he did tonight. It was the the starters had gotten IU off to a really good start and he improved upon that with the way that he played. We've seen signs from Jerome, as we talked about earlier, he didn't necessarily 
uh, do that tonight, short of making a couple free throws at the end and grabbing that rebound. Um, but if you can continue to bring those guys along and get more from them uh, and, and maybe expand those six guys to seven or eight that you feel really good about on a night in and night out basis, I think that's progress. Um, so that's really what I look forward to going into the Michigan or into the Maryland game uh, because that's a game that a, a guy like Jerome could be more impactful in given the personnel that Maryland has, lineups that I, you might have to play. Um, and, and some of the opportunities that he he could potentially get there, so uh, he's one to to see if he can bounce back. And and otherwise, I just thought a really good, really good team win. Not just because everybody got uh, you know got their their name in the in the scoring column, but uh, because guys really stepped in and contributed and and, and made big plays down the stretch. So, uh, and, and this year in the Big Ten, holding serve at home, no matter who it's against, becomes really important. And IU's been able to do that so far. Uh, certainly hope they can do it again. Uh, come Sunday afternoon, but uh, a really, a really solid performance from IU. Uh, did some good things defensively, and, and as we mentioned, I thought it was a good game for the coaching staff. So, uh, a fun game to watch all around. Uh, certainly more fun given the outcome. For sure, you know it wasn't just a great team win. I thought it was a great program win. You know, hat tip to everybody who was in the building. I, I love the shots of Assembly Hall before a big game when it's packed before tip off, and you can tell that it's loud. And it just looks like the crowd is just closing in on the court. I don't, I'm not sure, Andy, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's another arena that looks as intimidating on TV, like with some of the shots that you get of Assembly Hall, some of those high angle shots. And it, you know, we know what it's like for the guys who are in there, but it's just, it, it just gives me chills those moments before big games. And, you know, the the students, all the fans really brought it, and it was a huge part of Indiana getting out to that big lead, and that was important. You know, you, you saw in the Rutgers game when Indiana fell down early, you can battle back and you battle back, but sometimes it feels like you never quite get over the hump, you know, when you get down early. Uh, now, this game, Michigan State actually did get back in the lead, but still, you know, that stretch that Indiana had at the beginning and it was, so, you know, driven so much by the energy that they were getting from the building, that's when Assembly Hall just gives you so much. And, you know, you look back at how things felt after that Northwestern win, where it was a win, but you just, you felt like things were kind of slipping after back-to-back losses to Arkansas and Maryland and the wins over Connecticut, Nebraska, and Notre Dame, that they were wins, but you didn't feel great about them. It's like, what do we really have here when the schedule gets tougher and Indiana went out and beat an Ohio State team that is admitt- admittedly struggling, but took care of business. You know, they played better on the road, at least against Rutgers. And then they played even better against Nebraska to win one and now come back here at home to beat Michigan State. Again, it's not meteoric growth. It's not huge jumps from game to game, but it does feel like this team is making some steady growth uh, and really starting to play up to its capabilities. And that's all we ask for. You know, maximize what you're capable of. This team has some clear deficiencies, but it's also got some stuff that it does really well. It can play inside. It's in the top. It's number 21 in offensive rebounding percentage, number 12 uh, in defensive rebounding percentage. You know, play to those strengths and make other teams uncomfortable. And Indiana's starting to do that more. Uh, you know, it's it's always fun to watch Indiana basketball, but it's so much more fun to watch them when they're playing like this. Um, so I agree, Andy. Kudos to the players. Kudos to the coaches. Kudos to everybody who was in the arena. You know, it takes the full program to beat top 10 teams and to beat programs on the level of Michigan State. Uh, and, you know, for all the things that Archie Miller hasn't done in his first three seasons, that's two straight seasons of not losing to Michigan State. Three straight wins over a team that, you know, yeah, we've beaten them at home some, but it really feels like a program that's had our number for, you know, for a long time. 
Um, and Archie Miller has, you know, kind of turned that around. Now the key, of course, is to do better in the other games. Uh, but, you know, against that measuring stick of Michigan State, Archie Miller and the Hoosiers have been up for the challenge, uh, and they were again tonight, which is uh, which was great to see. And now hopefully they'll be up to the challenge again on Sunday. All right, that will do it for us. Uh, on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to our longtime listener, Bob Thompson, who produces a lot of the music that you hear on the show, including that mediocre song. Uh, and thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you on Sunday after IU Maryland. Until then. Take it from me, Freddie Max Wayne Jr., Keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and man, go up and dunk the ball. Go Hoosers. <laughs> Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Here I come, this is Don Sony. Still funny. <laughs> <laughs> Still funny. Uh, good stuff, man. Thanks, everybody, for being here. I think we got over 500 live for the uh, for the YouTube show tonight. Cool. Pretty incredible. Pretty Good incredible. Deal. Uh, so you're out Sunday. I think it's just me and Ryan. I'm out Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Mallory's got a game at the exact same time. So okay. Well, go try not to get ejected. I, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. <laughs> all right, everybody. Have a good night, man. And uh, we'll see you guys all on Sunday. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody. See you. To remind pet owners that Progressive covers pets on our auto policy at no extra charge, we decided to make a really cute pet-themed radio commercial. Can you hear that, puppy? If you could see this, you would melt. I mean, just the softest fur. Oh, wait. He's trying to open this box now. And, oh, the box is filled with kittens. If only there was some way you could see this. <laughs> what a glaring oversight. Get coverage for your pets with an auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with the purchase of collision coverage and is subject to policy terms. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.